This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf, and while I have I have several topics uh, to cover this morning, so let's let's just get right to it. Of course, you know the number one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Okay, let's start with an item you may have missed from last week's sports headlines, and I I warn you, I am not making this one up. A talented running back from St. Louis, the high school football team, was suspended for a game at the end of last season by the league for fighting in the state championship game. But because it was the last game of last season, the kid was suspended. His suspension meant he wouldn't be able to play in the first game of the current football season. The halfback, Bill Jackson, who's now a junior, well, he normally wears number four. And indeed, number four... Well, he didn't play in the first game this past in this in this current season, but number twenty-four did play in the first game, and he number twenty-four had played in all the subsequent game, subsequent games as well. Now, on the program roster, number twenty-four is supposed to be a freshman named Marvin Burks, and to complicate matters, the head coach of this team, Brandon Gregory, insisted to fans and onlookers that indeed it was super freshman Burks who rushed for more than 100 yards in the first game, including a long touchdown, to win the game. And sure enough, Marvin Burks played number 24, played the next six games as well. Team went undefeated, 7-0. But of course, number 24 was not Marvin Burks. It was Bill Jackson, the kid who had been suspended at the end of the last year and was not supposed to play in the first game this year. Now, along the way, Jackson had even told members of the media that sitting out the first game of the season, put a real spark into him that he couldn't wait to get back into the action. But, of course, he did play, and he played well in all seven wins. He just did it as Marvin Burks, not as Bill Jackson, by changing to a different uniform number, 24, and theoretically a different persona. If you're following all this, this is hard to believe. But basically, the kids said, okay, uh, I can't play in the first game. People know me as a running back as number four, as Bill, Bill Jackson. So I'm just going to change my persona. We're number 24, and then go out and play. And then I'll just keep this going until the rest of the season, all the games are played. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So what, what gave away Jackson eventually after seven wins? The tattoos on his right arm. Apparently, they were so distinctive that the officials and school administrators finally put this whole thing together and exposed the scam. So what was the fallout? Well, all seven victories by uh, Cardinal Ritter College Prep, that's the high school, it's a big-time program, all seven victories this year were forfeited. The head coach and his entire coaching staff were fired immediately as well. 
and the school athletic director announced that he was going to retire. Now, in his defense, the head coach, Brandon Gregory, said, well, you know, this, this, this happens. Kids tend to uh, change their uniform numbers uh, all the time. Well, that's kind of a weak defense. Clearly, he knew what was going on. He obviously knew that Jackson was, had changed his number and was trying to pull off a fast one. So, look, this is just hard to believe. Are there lessons to be learned here? Well, let's start with the basics. You know the old saying that it's not cheating unless you get caught? Well, just to be clear about this and for the record, you know that's meant as a joke, right? It's not meant to be taken seriously. Cheating is cheating. And I have to tell you, I, I, I really do feel for the rest of the kids on the Cardinal Ritter high school team. I mean, the team was 7-0. and But now their season has been flipped over. They're now 0-7. The program has been shut down. They're, it's disgraced. Now, and of course, speaking about those kids, they had to know that, that, that Bill Jackson, the running back, uh, and the coaches, they all knew what was going on. They all knew that the coaches were cheating. But if you're a high school player and your team's undefeated, how do you complain to the coaching staff about what's going on, especially if they know, obviously, about the deception as well? It isn't like there are that many kids on the football team that you don't know who's who and who's doing what. And obviously, you know, this, this whole thing just sounds – it makes it's a head-scratcher. It's hard to believe. But it does – the whole, whole sordid episode speaks, once again, to high school coaches who somehow – inexplicably lose their sense of right and wrong. Not to mention, of course, the kid who cheated. And if the kid is obviously a talented running back, and apparently he is, what was he thinking? Why would he want to jeopardize any possibilities of perhaps attracting college coaches uh, and and by doing a stunt like this? It doesn't make any sense if the kid had just decided, okay, I'm going to pay the price, sit out the first game of the year as I'm supposed to do, and then pick up from there. I mean, it just would have made all the sense in the world. But unfortunately, this didn't play out this way. And, and, and you know, <laughs> and talk about victims in this, in addition to the rest of the kids on the Cardinal Ritter football team, how about Marvin Burks, the real Marvin Burks, the real number 24? Yeah, there is a kid in the team <laughs> named Marvin Burks. Nobody knows what happened to him or what, why, what, was it, what, <laughs> what he had to say all about this. But clearly, uh, he's a big, big victim of this, of this scam, of this deception as well. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, at least I'm sorry to hear this, uh, this say that, of course, the right thing to do was to fire all the coaches uh, and obviously to forfeit all the games. It's unfortunate. But sometimes these things, you, know, you got to pay the price. And I just, uh, again, it's just a head scratcher as to how this took place. All right. We're going to talk about this, and I have other episodes to talk about as well, other topics as well on this morning at one 337 6666 I will go right to your calls after our break. Seth Cantor has your update. When I return, we'll talk more about this really bizarre situation. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. I'm talking right now about this rather bizarre case out of a high school in St. Louis uh, where a <laughs> the kid, a, a star running back who had been uh, suspended at the end of last season uh, for fighting in the state championship game, the suspension was carried over to this year, uh, and he decided, well, you know what, people know me as number four. I'm just going to change my uniform number to 24 and change my name to another kid in the team. And... 
see if I can get away with this. And sure enough, the kid played played in the first seven games. His uh, high school team was 7-0 and uh, until finally somebody put two and two together and sort of said, you know, uh, that's really Bill Jackson. It's not Marvin Burks. And uh, what gave him away, uh, oddly enough, uh, what, what the definitive proof was that the, he had a very bunch of distinctive tattoos on his arm. And finally, the school administration said, look, this is, this is obviously totally wrong. It's bogus. It's cheating. And, uh, you know, the, the season was forfeit. All the games were gone down the drain. The coaching staff fired and so on and so forth. And it's just, it's just to me, bizarre in this day and age that something like this could take place. Uh, and then nobody said anything along the way. And I want to get your thoughts about this. Uh, you know, and we'll go to one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's start our conversation this morning with uh, with our friend Jack uh, Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Hey, Jack, what do you think about this case? <laughs> you know what? It it it's it's amazing. It really is. I mean, we've talked about some crazy things that parents and coaches do all the time, and. This is just, you know, a couple of things on mine. First of all, we, we've talked in the past, and I, like, when I was teaching and even coaching, I made up a, uh, I told, you know, you, you've heard this before, but I made up a um, an index card, and I laminated it, and I gave it to a lot of my students. I worked with, um, with uh, learning disabled and handicapped kids, mm-hmm. and uh, I made them actually put it on their binders, and it says, think, you know, think before you speak and think before you act. Right. And on the back it said, and what should we think about? Think about the consequences to what you're going to say or do. One thing that's curious to me, and I know it probably doesn't matter, but in my mind it does being a coach of over 40 years, whose idea was this? I mean... <laughs> You know, well, the coach kind of like threw the kid under the bus and said, oh, yeah, kids do this all the time. You know what? I personally don't think it was the kid's idea. I don't know. We don't, but, it's, uh, um, nobody's saying much uh, that when, the, when the, the coach was confronted by reporters, uh, the, 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 his only sort of defense was, well, kids do this routinely, uh, but that's pretty much all he said. It's hard to say whether it was his idea, the kid's idea, what is kind of the deceitful, to be sure, is that uh, after uh, the first game, which the kid actually played in under a pseudonym, uh, he was asked, right. you know, well, what was it like to sort of uh, sit and watch the game and how sit out? And the kid said, well, put a spark into me. I can't wait to get back and play, even though the kid was, it was a bold-faced lie. I mean, it was <laughs> – and I, look, I've had well, some people – Think about <laughs> – I've had some people – Think about me. some of the things. Yeah, go, go ahead, Jack. No, think about some of the things, the consequences to what just happened. Now, yeah. first of all, as a college coach, one, you know, at the end of the season when this kid Burke gets all league, all county, all state, you know, and, and I start recruiting this kid and I find out, wow, you're not the same kid that I actually saw <laughs> on the on the video. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you know, something fishy there. Um, two, look what this kid just did to himself, first of all. I mean, if he had anything to do with it other than, you know, saying okay to the coach. Yeah, coach, that's a great idea. Let me go do that, you know. I mean, he just basically he could have thrown his college career away if he was Correct. that good. Yeah. Okay. He threw the school. I mean, the school is now, you know, one like you said, one of the top football programs. You know what? I'm not going to book any games against this team, I, you know. And there was there was one there was one phrase that you left out at the beginning, and this is what I call. And once again, I apologize to any football coach 
that does not follow these rules. Yeah. But you said, you know, you're not cheating. You know, it, it, you know, you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Well, right. The second part of that is. And it's only cheating if you get caught. Yes, of course, you know? if, if you get and, caught. And that's why I said, you know, you understand, folks, <laughs> that, that that's supposed to be a humorous line. It's not real. <laughs> it's not, not. Well, not. you know where I saw that line? I think I told you this. You know where I saw that line? I coached wrestling at Fairland High School for years. Yeah. And one of my wrestlers went up to West Point, And I saw that phrase, that whole phrase, over the locker room of the wrestling team. Yep. And it was meant for exactly what you said. It's not a true statement. It's a reminder as the people, that's not what we do in athletics. That's not what we do in life. These are not life lessons, you know. If you're cheating, you're not following the rules. You know what? So, you know what? Shame on this whole program. This coach, in my opinion, you know what? Should never coach again at this level. I'll tell you, he might get picked up by a pro coach. A pro team, but he'll never—he should never coach at this level again. Uh, the 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 way the way it was announced by the uh, the the school administration is that these coaches were permanently released from their responsibilities, which is pretty harsh. And uh, and uh, somebody was one uh, a cynical comment was made. Well, what's what's the takeaway? What's the lesson to be learned here? Simply that if you have distinctive tattoos on your arm. If you're going to play high school football, <laughs> make sure you wear a long sleeve shirt, you know? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny because I remember a joke years ago that this guy who uh, ran this gas station, um, worked at this gas station, couldn't make it ends meet. He was married. He had a child. And he went in and robbed the bank with his overalls on with his name on his uh, overalls. I yeah. mean, uh-huh. come on. It's the same thing <laughs> here. But, it's just hard to believe. Hey, Jack, let me, uh, let me get some more calls. Thanks, as always. Talk to you soon. You're you're more than welcome, Rick. Thanks, Coach. See you. Let's move on to our friend Ed over to Elizabeth to get his take on this. Ed, what do you think? This guy should never be allowed to coach high school or college in the United States. Everyone oh, should I, get wind of this. I mean, I mean, this this is going to trail. There's so there's so many there's so much fallout from this. Uh, you know, the coaching staff they're gone. They're never going to be able to. You know, what? How do you put in your resume? You you were allowed this? Oh, Cardinal Ritter. Yeah, I know about those guys. You know, you guys. Well, cheat. You know, knowing knowing this guy, Coach. He'll fabricate his resume. Well, <laughs> how about that? And we know. You know what I mean, Ed, we've I mean, seen this. It, it, you know, we've seen big-time college football coaches who have who have embellished their resumes to get big-time coaching jobs, and not realizing that you know these days there is something called Google, and people can check on what you what you claim to have done. And you know, go back to go back to George O'Leary when he had the Notre Dame job. Exactly. He's already fabricated his resume and all that stuff. Exactly. But here, we we all want to win as coaches. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Okay, but you have to do it uh, unethically. I mean, come on, it's it's ridiculous and all that. I mean, uh, I, I I could never do that. You know what I mean? You know, hey, if a kid if a kid gets thrown thrown out for whatever, then you got you got to pay the consequences. I remember when I was a coach, I when when I was a basketball coach, what I did was was this: I simulate a situation that a fight may may come out. I wanted to make sure that none of my players got off the bench because in, in Jersey, if you get off the bench, well, you're, you're going to be suspended too and all that stuff. Of course. So all this stuff, I think you could do that in practice, no more than 10 minutes, maybe once a week. So this way, this, this stuff doesn't happen. But to, to do that, I mean, I, my, my question is this. I want to see how many colleges go after this kid. That's where you find the ethical part. Our college coach is going to go after this guy because, you know, they're getting the big salaries. And they want to win, win, win as much as possible. 
It, it's it's uh, you know it's going to go down if this kid's a legit player uh, and the coaches say well you know college coaches say well son did you learn your lesson yes I learned my lesson I'll never do that ever again I've i you know I was an embarrassment that's all the kid has to say and it's uh, he's now becomes a fair game for college coaches who obviously want to win at any price and we know. Unfortunately, that's the world in which we live, and, and it's the thing as I mentioned earlier, the real victims of this. I mean, how how do the other kids on the team? They they must be sitting there talking to each other in the locker room, thinking, "How is this going down?" Everybody knows that's not Marvin Burks. That that's Bill Jackson. How how is this? Well, do we say anything? Do we keep our mouths shut? How do we? How do well, we? You know, how that's weird. Amazing. Seven weeks. You know. You know. No one. You know. You know. No one. No one had said them. They went X amount of. X amount of weeks till finally, I guess someone, as Donald Trump said, you know, I guess there was a whistleblower. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And thanks again for the call. I'll talk to you soon. Stay, stay, dry, Rick. Take care. You know, and that's it's just so bizarre. But again, that's this is uh, maybe this is typical of of the world in which we live, where winning is all that matters. No matter if you have to bend the rules and cheat. It's as simple as that. Let's go over to uh, to Louie and Lindbergh. Hey, Lou. Good morning, hey, you're on the Rick, fan. How are you? Good. How you doing, Rick? Well, I'll tell you this. I've been coaching college soccer and lacrosse for a long time. Yep. And first of all, I'm wondering where was the athletic director? How did he? Where did he fall asleep? I, I don't know, Lou. I, I I don't know what's going on. He 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 just announced this, everybody got fired. He announced he's going to retire. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. He everybody had to be on this. There isn't like you have a you know a ten thousand kids on the football team. You only have probably. You know, thirty or forty. So they all knew what this kid was, what he was doing. I mean, and, and somebody and had to know. Huh? And another thing is this: uh, he took away an opportunity from another kid to be playing on the field. Correct. And uh, that isn't fair. That's being totally unfair to his teammates. So for for this to get through, I mean, even the other teams must have recognized that this kid played before. Talent is not a secret. Okay, That's and especially good point. In football. Yeah. Talent is not a secret, and especially on a football field where it's distinctive when a guy could be a running back or, a, or whatever position he plays and he's scoring all the points. So I'm surprised that the other coaches kept quiet in the league about this. They're all, they're all in cahoots here. This is a big problem, well, and I, I, we don't, it's got to be cleaned up. We can't, Louis, we can't speak for the other coaches, but obviously if they're scouting, this is an undefeated team, and it's a big-time program. If they're looking at video, if they're if they're watching the they're sending scouts to the game, as you said, and it's a really good point. You know, talent is not a secret. They got to be saying that kid. This kid is a freshman. He looks a lot like the kid Jackson from last year. And gee, you know, he's the both same position. He seems to be the same size, has speed, you know, power. You know, somebody somewhere had to be sitting like, really? Is that, are you sure? Well, look, this is the roster. This is a you know a new kid named Burks. He's number twenty-four. Jackson was number four from last year, and I guess he's gone. And the whole thing yeah. is so screwy that that and and he just said we're not talking about getting away for one game. This went for on for seven games, and and the kid was he was starring in these games too. It wasn't like he was just uh, got in for a couple of plays. He was the the big gun. So and, uh, and, and meanwhile he. What he did was he killed his whole his whole team's destination here. They were doing every, really good, and now they have to forfeit everything. Everybody gets flushed down the toilet in this one because it's just because one kid decides and he gets the blessing of his coaching staff to get try and get away with this, and the whole thing gets just thrown away. It's as simple as that. Meanwhile, 
Take care, Rick. Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks, Louie. I'm sorry I'm up against a break, but again, this whole thing's just bizarre. Okay, I'm going to uh, take a time out. When I return, I have other topics I want to talk with you about, particularly this incident out of Vermont where the high school girls' soccer program decided to put, stage a protest wearing uh, T-shirts in the middle of a game. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. Uh, oh, and do me a favor. Uh, go check out uh, Ask Coach Wolf uh, on YouTube. Uh, whole channel there. I'm very eager for you to take a look, see what you think. Uh, the response so far has been terrific. I'm very, very happy with that. I cover all sorts of topics, insights on everything from college recruiting to uh, you know travel teams, my thoughts about travel teams, what you need to know, what's the right age for kids to specialize, concussions, all these things. Uh, but again, it's all now on YouTube at Ask Coach Wolf. And don't forget my blog, of course, also on AskCoachWolf.com. Okay, before I get back to my calls, I want to talk about the situation up in Vermont with girls soccer. I got to take a moment to talk about the World Series. And, you know, the Washington Nationals getting into the World Series. Now, many of you may assume that I grew up as a native New Yorker with uh, my dad, of course, broadcasting the Knicks and the Rangers for for so many years at the Garden. And, of course, my dad did. But my dad broadcast the old, original Washington Senators from the late 1940s right through the 50s and into 1961 when they moved to Minnesota. And uh, after the, the 61 season, Dad joined uh, Joe Gargiola, and they did the NBC Baseball Game of the Week for a number of years. But my point is, I was born in Washington, D.C., and I grew up as a hardcore Washington Senators fan. My idolized players like Camilo Pasquale and, and Roy Seavers, Mickey Vernon, Bob Allison, and a young slugger named Harmon Killebrew. I was very much not a Yankees fan. Remember the Broadway show and the movie Damn Yankees? Yeah, that was, of course, written by a diehard Senators fan. And my dad broadcast the Washington games for years. I mean, I practically grew up in old Griffith Stadium. But the truth is, the Senators always lost. My dad would kiddingly say, you know, I just need to only give the score on the air. It's 10 to 3 or 8 to 1. I didn't have to say which team was winning because everybody knew the Nats were always losing. And that was pretty much true. I mean, it was a sports writer named Charles Dryden who, back in 1904, and covering yet another Washington Senator's loss, first quipped, Washington, first in war, first in peace, and last in the American League. So, as this modern-day version of the Washington Nationals have made it into the World Series, and I know it's now 2-2, I want to take a moment and reflect. Yes, these are not the original Senators. Again, that franchise moved to Minnesota back in the early 60s. And then the replacement senators that came to D.C. ultimately moved to Texas, became the Texas Rangers. And these current-day nationals have their roots as Montreal Expos. But it makes no difference to me. Washington's Major League Baseball team is in the World Series for the first time since 1933. And I'm happy. And I'm quite sure that my dad is quite happy about this as well. Okay, uh, let me take one more call about the situation with this uh, bizarre football team out of St. Louis. I will say that it's, um, you know, as Jack Smithen pointed out, 
Maybe the other opposing coaches in the league were waiting to sort of spring this on Cardinal Ritter High School as they entered into the playoffs and say, you know, you've used an illegal player all year, and now we're going to basically for- have you forfeit and embarrass the program. Who knows what, what, what went through all this chicanery, but obviously it's a lose-lose for everybody involved. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Matt in Maryland this morning. Matt, good morning. You're on the fan. The other part of the good morning. Yeah, Matt. The other part of the equation is the other teams that were scary to play. And thinking that the star player wasn't there, that was a different game plan that they would have had for a guy not playing that wasn't supposed to be playing. Matt, the whole thing know? is bizarre. As we were saying before, uh, you know how how could this go down and not somebody not say, wait a minute, that guy looks a lot like the guy who played there last year, and we have videotape, you know. And I find it interesting in a school in 2019 yep. that no teacher knew. Oh, no, no, no. Matt, you know this. Everybody had to know this. Everybody. Everybody had to be on it. And I think that's, that's why, why I, mean, I mean, come on. That's why the coach sort of said very weakly in his defense, and, and Matt, thanks for chiming in, the coach said, well, kids do this all the time. They change numbers. No, they don't. Come on. Really? Seriously? That doesn't make any sense. Um let me talk uh, and, t- and turn quickly to this T-shirt protest by this high school girls uh, varsity soccer team, which took place last week. You know, this, this team gained national attention after making a statement for equal pay during a game in which uh, 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 the four or five girls who did this uh, were, were given yellow cards from the referees. The girls scored a goal late in the game, and they took off their, their, uh, their game jerseys and underneath, they had shirts on, which were white tissues that read uh, hashtag equal pay. I'm, I'm sure you've heard about this. Now, let me be careful about what I'm saying here, because I want to make sure you understand exactly what position on this is. <laughs> I have a, a loving wife, and I have two daughters, all of whom who work. And trust me, nobody is more in favor of equal pay for women than I am. But when it comes to picking your protest, you have to choose your venues carefully. And doing a protest in a high school varsity soccer game is the wrong time to do this. The referees had no choice but to yellow card the girls. Why? Because the state rules in Vermont, as in most states in this nation, prohibit players from wearing anything but the high school's school colors during the course of the game. Nor are you allowed to wear slogans or post political statements on your uniforms. Now, look, was anybody hurt because of this particular protest or equal pay? No, of course not. But let's face it. If you want to play in the games, you got to abide by the rules if you want to continue to play. I mean, for example, suppose the girls in Vermont had chosen a, a much more controversial or much more emotional theme to promote. Well, that could have led to some serious uh, concerns. So if you want to promote equal pay, well, you certainly prepare your, make your T-shirts and sell them or wear them before or after the game. But you got to be careful. you got to pick a better and more appropriate time and place. You really want to keep your, your, your sports free from politics. And again, I'm certainly very much in favor of equal pay, absolutely. But you don't do it necessarily during a soccer match. Remember, as our friend, our law professor friend Doug Abrams always points out, playing on a high school sports team, that's a privilege. It's not a right. And that privilege can be taken away at any time. So, yes, the referees did do the right thing by showing yellow cards to these girls. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they did it with a smile because obviously they, they feel the same way about equal pay. 
but you got to pick and choose your venues, and the timing is important. And that that's the real takeaway on this. Okay, let's let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, let's go to Ron up in Connecticut this morning. Ron, good morning. You're on the fan. Oh, good morning. Just a quick question on that uh, uh, high school football thing. Did yeah. You, is there going to be any any suits by the parents of the other kids who are not going to be able to play until they're still the college coaches? And I'll let you off now. Thank you, Mike. Ron, I have not heard that. Obviously, this all took place in the last week or so. Uh, it's drawn uh, national uh, scrutiny. Uh, there has been, uh, I know some of the parents have tried to, uh, are reeling by all this. Uh, man, this is a legitimate big-time high school football program, and the parents are now trying to say, okay, let's pick up the pieces. Remember now, they have they forfeited all the games. There are no more games to be played this year. Uh, they, they fired the entire coaching staff. Now they got to get together and figure out what's next. Now, will there be lawsuits? I don't know about that. Who knows? I'm not sure what the upside is in that. Uh, but certainly, if, if it comes out that this deception uh, was in place for a couple of months and people knew about it and the administration knew about it and everybody else knew about it, which quite frankly seems hard to believe that uh, the people didn't know what was going on, we'll see what happens. But it is a very, very bizarre set of circumstances. Um, Again, we're not talking, as I said before, about having hundreds or thousands of, of, of kids on the team, just you know, probably 30 or 40, and they certainly had to know that this kid was the same kid trying to pull uh, some sort of deception, and I gather with the tacit blessing of the coaching staff, which is even more bizarre. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's the real troubling part here. We understand that kids make mistakes. Uh, that's what teenagers do, but we're talking about having the support and having a bunch of coaches, adults, educators basically looking the other way uh, and letting this thing continue on. That, that's what's so troubling. Let's, um, let's move on. Let's go to Nick over in Queens. Hey, Nick, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? Good, Nick. What's up? Uh, um, Rick, I coach in the city here. And, um, you know, this reminds me of something that happened maybe about 10 to 12 years ago where the city actually went to having coaches, at least for soccer, having to present IDs of the students. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's before right. the game because of – because allegedly, right? Allegedly, that I guess maybe some coaches, their kids who had graduated, allegedly, right? Yeah. And so we had to present IDs to the rest, and the rest had to check the kids off one by one uh, against their IDs. But it puzzles me greatly why a coach would go and do this at the risk of their job, which pays significantly more than their uh, coaching stipend. And the excuse that the coach says the kids change. Well, it doesn't fly because how would you not know who's on the field? Oh, Nick, you know, and I'm, I'm you, know, you know, I do recall that from about a decade ago, uh, where, and Nick, thank you for, for calling in this morning. I do recall they used to, you know, have the situation, again, this sort of related kind of uh, circumstances where the refs had to have, the, the kids had to bring ID cards uh, with, with their photo on it so they can make sure who's who. And, you know, that's, that, that did work in the sense that the, the refs had to say, okay, you're a number of this, and this is your name, and look look at the photo of the kid, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's that did take place. So this is not the first time there's been this kind of deception where players like to come in. And, of course, every so often we'll hear about a kid, not a kid, uh, uh, I read last year where uh, somebody was like in his early 20s and decided that uh, he was going to go back and play high school basketball. I think this took place in Texas. Uh, even though he'd been a star player four or five years earlier as a high school player, for some reason, went back and tried to play again in high school, and an, an opposing coach said, "You look like a kid who who played there four or five years ago," and that's how that deception was uncovered. 
the, the, these things happen more often than we think. Uh, and, and, but this one in particular out of St. Louis was particularly bizarre because, as I said, the kid basically tried to adopt a persona of another kid on the team and take his uniform number as well. That's, that's just very, very strange and very, very uh, disconcerting. Okay, let me take another time out. When I return, we'll, we'll talk more about these bizarre topics, both soccer as well as football. Hey, if you got up uh, late this uh, this morning uh, with all the rain outside and you missed any of today's show, you can just download it. Uh, just go to radio.com app and uh, select WFAN. And you can listen back to anything we've talked about on the show or on the station over the past uh, 24 hours. This is really very impressive technology. Okay, we're talking right now about two topics, one in particular, this situation in Vermont where these girls' high school soccer team protested uh, equal pay. Uh, and they got uh, yellow carded for doing that. And we're also talking about this bizarre case out of St. Louis where a kid basically tried to take on the persona of a, of a teammate uh, in order to play when he had been suspended. And that's, uh, let's get your calls. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Kevin in Riverdale. Hey, Kevin, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Good, Kevin. Uh, real quick about the girls' uh, soccer. I, had, I hadn't heard of it until this morning, but I just wanted to point out that I don't think um, it would have made national attention if they wore the T-shirts before or after the game. That I think is, yes. part of why you're talking about it is because of the, the reaction of the rest getting the yellow cards. So I think, in theory, their protests worked. It brought more awareness to the situation. Kevin, that's exactly right. Uh, if they had worn the shirts before the game or after the game, nobody would have cared. It was not gotten any kind of uh, media attention whatsoever, but because they chose to do it with five or six minutes to go in the contest, uh, and they were basically, uh, you know, uh, shown yellow cards for doing so, that put this on the map. Um, you know, it, it's we, we want to keep this uh, on the straight and narrow. Again, it has nothing to do with what they're protesting. Everybody, you know, right. is obviously in favor of equal pay for men and women in this country, but the the, the timing was poor. And I think the concern I think a lot of us have is these girls are now looking like they've done something heroic uh, when, in fact, no, they didn't do something heroic. Uh, they really should have been told by their coaches or by their parents that, you know, it's as it's, it's simple as that, that they really needed to understand that, um, you know, you got to pick and choose your times appropriately. And that, that's the concern. So, uh, but I agree with you. Yeah. If they hadn't, if they had picked the time, if they'd done this at halftime or before or after the game, nobody would have said anything and it would have just been, uh, you know, off the map. Simple as that. All yep, right. Yep. All right. Thanks. Have Kevin. a good one. You take care. Let's go to, um, let's go to Wayne up in Connecticut. Wayne, good morning. You're on the fan. Yes. Good morning, Rick. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking about this thing and I'm thinking if you're that coach, and you know the tattoos could be an issue. And don't get me wrong; it's not something I would do. But yeah, why, why don't you put a T-shirt on the kids for game <laughs> one and bring them back for a game two as number four for the rest of the season? Well, Wayne, that's what we said before. It was sort of being cynical about it. Said, well, you know, what's the takeaway? What's the lesson to be learned from this? That you know, not about you know doing the right thing. Just saying, well, if the kid's uh, your star player and he's got uh, tats on his arm. Make sure he's always wearing a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> so now, now the season everybody thinks is freshman, whatever his name is, yeah, is suddenly a star. Well, so what happened to the other number four? You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it's I, crazy. Know, who knows? Uh, I mean, these are all. There are so many 
you know, questions that, that flow out of this thing, Wayne. Exactly. And nobody exactly. has any answers, but clearly as as the people finally woke up and said, wait a minute, this is bizarre. This is the same kid. He's just trying to change his uniform number. But, I mean, come on, really? I mean, this it is... took them all that time to finally figure it out. Well, maybe, uh, uh, you know, Wayne, maybe somebody was trying to figure out on the sly Okay, certainly he should not have played in that first game. He was supposed to be suspended for it, but is right. it is it okay for him to change his uniform number for games right, right. you know two yeah. through seven? Yeah. So the whole thing is bizarre. Uh, and and obviously really they, finally somebody right. said, "Look, you know." And Wayne, th- thanks for the call. The point thank is you that for- you know the thing is that finally somebody said, "Look, this is not right. This is wrong. We're cheating. We're cheating the system. We're cheating our kids. We're cheating our opponents. Stop this." That's this. And then of course the the, the the, the, the top person in the school said, that's it. Coaching staff, you're all fired. Games are forfeited. Program shut down. End of story. And I got to tell you, you know, you talk about this thing, obviously, with a, with a bit of a smile on our face. You know, like, well, make the kid the takeaway is, you know, if you're trying to disguise this kid, just make sure he has a long, a long sleeve shirt on. I can recall back when I was coaching college baseball, I, I had identical twins and in, in, in Frank and John Fiorino. And, I mean, to this day – to this day, I can't tell the two of them apart. I mean, they are exactly identical twins. Both were uh, outstanding outfielders and pitchers. And I guess I could have pulled that stunt, you know, if, if one of them, you know, had been used, you know, in a game as a pinch hitter, and then I took them off the side and brought the other one back in, I'd tell the umpire, no, no, that's, 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 that's the wrong Fiorino. That's the one that played earlier. But, I mean, this is, these are, yes, these things do happen. And, uh, you know, I know there are a lot of coaches out there. Jack Smith was telling me the same thing. He did identical twins as well. So there's always a possibility that you can somehow try to skirt the system and try to use identical twins and so on and so forth. Now, in this case, out in St. Louis, they weren't identical twins. They're different, you know, kids and different, different looks and shapes and everything else, different talents ability. But again, the whole thing is just so bizarre. I mean, I just, I just can't believe this guy, these coaches try to get away with it. It's just, it's just what's wrong in so many ways with what happens with high school, you know, priorities in terms of winning and losing. But it's here, and it doesn't seem to be going away sometime soon. All right, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Kevin Wall. Please stick around for JJ. He is up next with the morning line. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.